Pretty much anyone can relate to this. Being knocked down. We get knocked down in life, uh, externally, internally, all the time. What about when we get back up? Who is actually getting back up? Is that you? Are you the type to get back up after you've been knocked down? Well, welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome Lakita Biddle, Director of Attorney Ministries with the Christian Legal Society and formerly employed as an Assistant State's Attorney, most recently prosecuting violent felonies. I met Lakita while my company, Speak It to Book, served as one of the sponsors of the Christian Legal Society's conference. If you are someone who's been knocked down and you're trying to get back up once more, I know you're going to be absolutely blessed by this interview with Lakita. So the big question is this, how do Jesus-loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us, who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Lakita, welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Thank I have been you. looking forward to this. We just hung out in San Antonio at the Christian Legal Society, got to see you running around doing your thing, somehow <laughs> pulling off a big conference at a big hotel with so many people and different workshops. And from what I could tell from my vantage point, it went off so seamlessly. The speakers were great. The conversation was great. One, congratulations on just making that happen and finally being home and being able to rest a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Just, just introduce, give us the, 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 the 30,000 foot view of who Lakita is, your bio, if you will, before we get into the really good stuff, sure. which is your story. Sure. So, uh, of course, I'm Lakita. I'm 40 years old. I'm a Christian. I'm an attorney. I'm originally from North Carolina. And like you said, we just had this amazing conference uh, because currently I'm the director of attorney ministries at Christian Legal Society. And I just started this role in March. Um, truth be told, I thought I would forever be a prosecutor, which is the the role that I just left from. Um, I think that's what I felt like that was the Lord was calling me to do that. And that's what I would always be. But uh, the Lord had other plans in mind, as he always does. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I relocated here to the D.C. area um, and I'm just trying to do what the Lord is calling me to be as a Christian attorney. You cannot go wrong by following what God is calling you to do. Now, I know you already hinted at some words there of, hey, God thought I was always going to be an attorney. Like, I know that there's deep story behind that. So what I want to do is go back to why why become an attorney? Where did it all start for you? I think the it's kind of a little complex, but I'll try to make it a little simple. First of all, I believe the Lord put the impression in my parents' heart, to be honest, mm -hmm. and they cultivated that. Um, and believe it or not, my brother and I both went to law school. So wow. <laughs> we both are called to be attorneys. I would yeah. love to see you guys uh, argue around started... the dinner table. <laughs> no, no, no. Work oh, issues out. Not argue, work <laughs> issues out. Work issues out. Oh my God, we argue all the time. It's it's crazy. Um. Yeah, so I was young and my mom, she would always say like, 
you're going to be an attorney because A, I like to talk a lot. And B, everything was always about fairness for me. That's not fair. You know, he's a boy. He gets to do that. I'm a girl. I get to do this. Why can't I do that kind of thing? So that's where it started at a very, very young age. When I say young, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight, something really young. But where it really developed was um, when my parents advocated, they were probably the first original attorneys, even though they didn't go to law school, they advocated for us to go to a different school system. Um, And so they um, had, I guess, long story short, I was tested, went to the academically and gifted program and me and my brother switched school systems and we were um, going to a different school and we were given a lot of different opportunities and a guidance counselor came and approached different students and they just gave an opportunity for us to do a new program, which was called the teen court program. Hmm. And that is a nationwide program. It exists here in Maryland as well. Um, It's nationwide, but in North Carolina, it was just getting started. So that was an opportunity for students to Uh, participate as attorneys. Um, And so they paired us up with mentors to learn how to be an attorney. And that, that's kind of, that was my first exposure to the law. I bet that was fascinating. I mean, there is no better experience. There's no better schooling than to, to just be near someone doing the very thing that you're, you're training up to, to do yourself. That is what a fantastic experience. Now law school, I can imagine is, is, is hard enough already, but you were, first generation. And and I want you to talk about that and the struggles that came with it, because we all know law school is incredibly expensive. Um, if you're, you're first generation, that means you, you don't have a lot of roots there or people to guide you through. So, so walk me through the challenges you face yeah. all yeah, throughout law very, school. That's very true. Um, the challenges actually started before law school. Um, So I didn't know what it took to be an attorney. And if we're being honest, I grew up in Randolph County, North Carolina, where it was about 90 percent white. So I never was exposed to a black attorney until later in life. Um, And so I didn't know that that could be for me. You Hmm. know, it just seemed like a far fetched goal. Um, So once I got in. um, To probably like my next to last year in college. Um, I joined the pre-law society at High Point University and just got a feel for what it looked like being an attorney. I didn't know that you could major in whatever you wanted to major in, do whatever you wanted to do. Um, But you had to take this thing called the LSAT. My God, (laughs) man, that I think that was probably the biggest challenge ever taking the law school admissions test Um, because I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what you needed to do to study for it. And truth be told, I took it. I don't know. I stopped counting maybe like seven or eight times just to try to get my score up. Um, So that was the biggest hurdle, um, taking the law school admissions test in order to just to get into law school. I mean, the hand of God was just on my life the whole time. And I don't want to sound really spiritual, but it really wasn't me. Um, because all of the scores and all of the GPA and all of the different, um, I guess, characteristics or qualifications for you to get into law school, I didn't have that. I was just looking for somebody to give me the opportunity. Mm. And it and it's so it's so funny because um, the Lord opened the door in so many different ways. Like um, being a first generation, you know, college student, as you said, my, my parents didn't go to college. Um, so it was really just finding my way all along the way. And the way I did that was just the way that God would develop relationships with me. Like one of my jobs was um, with the National Association of Attorneys General. They gave an opportunity for me to 
be able to pay for our law school admissions test prep course. Um, and then one of my jobs that I ended up having at Georgetown Law School, um, I had some really good mentors there and they talked to me about, you know, making a good application and what does that look like? And honestly, it was just God just placing the right people in my path to be able to open the right doors because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> it seemed like I, it took forever. I feel like we all have been there in one way or another. I still remember walking around the halls of my university and just being like, what am I doing? <laughs> Please, someone, can I just wear a shirt that says help? Because I don't know what I'm doing in life. I don't know what major I need. And I also don't know my classes. Right. Lakita, you've been in the attorney space for a while now. What is it that you've come to admire? What is it that you look to and you go, this is such validation for why I've even done what I've done? What do you look to as like, wow, this is some pretty cool outcomes that are coming from this? Being an attorney, I think you have the tools and the resources to create a community or create a society that no one else has the same tools to do that. And I feel like it's a great calling that the Lord has on not just my life, but the life of so many other Christian attorneys. Like we have been given these gifts and these talents um, that we didn't earn, that we didn't do anything to deserve. God just packaged us this way. And we are now walking in that purpose. And I feel like it's a you have to be able to open up doors for other people. You have to be able to do things to make a difference. You can't just abuse that, if that makes sense. Mm. What has been mm -hmm. inspiring thing that you're doing through the Christian Legal Society? What kind of makes you get up in the morning and, and just give you that little nudge of a smile? That's like, today's mm -hmm. a good day because I'm a part of this, even if it's hard. Sure. I mean, I think it's funny that you use the word inspiring because the purpose of attorney ministries, the ministry that I oversee as the director, is to inspire, encourage, and equip attorneys. So if I can do that, mm -hmm. I feel like I have accomplished so much. You know, like um, at the conference, we had a, a lunch with all of the chapter leaders, and um, I played this video. I don't know if you know Michael Jr., um, but he's a Christian comedian, and it's knowing your why. And I just talked to them about understanding why God called us to be an attorney. And you know, and I had an opportunity to talk to law students at the conference and just um, I went to Patrick Henry to talk to a group of college students. But for me, if I can inspire the next person, then I have really accomplished what the Lord has set out for me to do that day. And I, I really get a lot of joy from that. You know, mm -hmm. I understand the struggles of litigation and working 12 to 18 hour days in the courtroom and just so much that goes into being an attorney that sometimes you can lose that. And so if I can inspire the next person, just keep going, just keep going. Like God has something great in store for you to me. That is very rewarding. Lakita, one of the things that I have seen, uh, and it started at a conference I went to before Christian Legal Society. And, and I came mm -hmm. back from that conference, which was focused mostly on like physicians. And I remember telling my wife, Brittany, I was like, boy, so many people at this conference are so burned out. They're so tired. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. having now gone to the Christian Legal Society, I got the same, not the same vibe, but same conversations about this is hard. Mm -hmm. This is really hard work. And mm -hmm. it got me thinking to childhood and even playing like the game of life, like everyone to be the doctor or the lawyer, you know, these <laughs> respected, well-paying careers. And what I've seen is that it the the, the cost is truly great to be in these professions. And I would love for you to just talk to me as someone who 
really doesn't have that insider knowledge. But yeah, you you just mentioned like sometimes 12 to 18 hour days. What does it take out of a person? Because we know that inspiration needs to come a lot when you're kind of on empty. And it seems like mm-hmm. these careers that are fantastic and doing all sorts of good work also have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. How does that, how do you, how do you deal with that as a kingdom minded, uh, you know, lawyer, attorney? Look, fast and pray a lot. (laughs) Seriously, though, I I think you hit the nail on the head because last year when the pandemic hit, I think is when it hit me that I had been under all of this pressure. And I believe that's why the Lord started shifting me into a different direction to be able to help encourage other Christian attorneys. Because literally I was working 12 to 18 hour days. It was taking a toll on my body, my physical body. It was taking a toll on my spirit. And it was certainly taking a toll on my soul, my emotions, my mind, my will, and just literally just grinding. It just became like day after day after day. And I didn't realize until after I left being a prosecutor that it had that much impact on me. I said this to someone the other day. I said, you know, I feel like a real human again. Hmm. Like I feel like a regular person again. And not to say that, you know, other aspects of being an attorney are not stressful, but now I don't feel the same level of stress as being in the courtroom, but literally like when you're in the trenches and you're like helping victims and you're helping um, clients and helping different people, like, it's just, it's like, you just got to keep going. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Like you just have to keep going and it's very stressful. I think, I don't know the statistics, but I think number um, the attorneys are at the top of the list for suicide and maybe alcoholism and addictions and all the different things because it's constant. Like it's just, there's no way to really turn it off. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at calebrakey.com. The weight of the world is on your shoulders, especially if you do criminal litigation or maybe even civil litigation, anything litigation focused, like mm. you have that one time to get it right. It's just a lot of pressure. Wow. That is a true, incredibly high cost. And I can imagine God has to equip you to a, to the nth degree to, to really make the life work, you know, to, to, I mean, to give it to God, right? I mean, you have to give it to yeah. God for that stress to go away. And yeah. um, I can imagine that's really difficult. What is it like being a follower of Jesus and an attorney? It, huh. It's a cost, right? It's a cost. Mm. It's seriously a cost. The best, the best way to put it. Um, you know, for a lot of my life, I've been different in so many different ways and I'm okay with going against the grain, but to be a Christian attorney, not just an attorney, but to be a Christian attorney and a, a follower of Jesus, like you have to be willing to do the right thing, even when no one's looking. You have to be willing to do the right thing. And I think that that's 
you know, attorneys, we get a bad rap, <laughs> a mm. bad rap. You know, people will say like, you know, people think attorneys are crooked or corrupt or deceitful or take your money or whatever you name it. Um, but you can't do that as a follower of Christ. Like you really have to do the right thing, even if it means that's not what's best for you. It's what's mm. best that God is saying what's best, what's best for that moment, what's best for for that season. You have to, you just have to be willing to do the right thing. And, mm. and that means walking in integrity. That means saying, you know, one thing when someone else is saying something totally different, I'm, I'm okay with being the only person in the room that says this is the way it is. Hmm. You have to be okay with that because that's what it means to be a believer. People are watching you even when you don't, <laughs> when, even when you don't think they're watching you. Hmm. One other area of your life I wanted to discuss was relationships. Sure. When I was at the banquet at Christian Legal Society, I sat next to two gentlemen, one on my right, one on my left, and we got to talking and both men were around 40 years old. They were working a lot and they were struggling to put themselves in positions to start a relationship. God has called you into a ministry for other singles. Talk to me a little bit about this. I remember a lot of pain. The single crowd, there was nothing there for them. Mm -hmm. It was like, Hey, uh, we'll, we'll know what to do once you get married, but until you do, we, we like, where do we, you know, people didn't look at it as this calling as this service to God. And you just had an opportunity to speak on this particular topic. And I would love to hear not only how that went, but the lead up Mm -hmm. to it, because I know that that was a bit nerve wracking. Oh my God. It was so nerve wracking. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Oh my God. First of all, I'm never, told the world like, Hey, I'm a 40 year old virgin. Like that you just, I don't know. It seemed a little taboo at first, but the more, the more that I have come into my identity in Christ, I have began to embrace like, this is normal. This is what it should be. I'm not married. I'm not supposed to be out here fornicating, I guess in, in the nice way to put it. But yeah, it was, uh, I did speak to a group of women recently talked about my singleness and, you know, I don't feel like we talk about it in the body of Christ enough. You know, if you grow up in the church like I did, it's always like you shouldn't have sex before marriage. You shouldn't be doing anything you don't you shouldn't be doing or whatever. All these different, you know, random cliches. But nobody ever talks to you about like, what does that look like? It is going to be a lonely walk. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've been in relationships before. I haven't you know, I've had boyfriends. So um, but it costs if you're not willing to go outside of your consecration and and compromise, then it's going to cost you that relationship because truth be told, they're not talking to guys about it either, you know? And so the opportunity came with my pastor had reached out to me and she's just like, Hey, like this women's ministry wants you to come and speak to them about singleness. And I'm like, yeah, I've only been embracing that a little bit in the last couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of kicking and screaming like, Lord, why am I not married? I want to have kids, all these things. But I actually have been embracing it more recently. I actually did, um, a five-day prayer challenge uh, with a group, um, a whole lot of singles um, across the body of Christ. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I don't even know if I can say it on here, but um, it was this five-day prayer challenge. And we prayed different days for different purposes as being unmarried. And Mm. uh, one day was praying about purity. One day was praying that your spouse would be a purpose partner. Just different days had different, Mm. um, different topics. And I think that's important, you know, as an attorney and as a believer, I feel like it's important who we're aligned with. You don't want the person to distract you from the purpose that God has called you in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't want that. I, I'm, I'm okay with waiting, 
you know, people don't talk about the weight and it's, it's difficult in the weight. Mm. Um, but you, we need to talk about it more in the body of Christ. We need to talk about, you know, building one another up and what it means to have wholesome relationships and how do you heal from your past? Because quite honestly, what we see from our parents or other people that have modeled marriage or things in the mm. body of Christ, we can either imitate it in a good way or in a negative way. It can be good things or it can be not so great things that you see. And you don't want to take that into a marriage. And so for me, I think it's just important uh, to talk more openly about being single, about being unmarried, being consecrated and what that looks like to, to be whole, right? Hmm. So yeah, What's your... I, hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> it, it, it does. And, and I'll follow up with this. What's the favorite uh-huh. story that came out of being able to speak to those women of, of being from kicking and screaming and going almost, you know, God always kind of calls us when we're not quite ready. You know what I mean? A lot of times yeah. when we're not ready at all too. I guess maybe if I had to think of one moment in particular, I would think about how the Lord had shown me myself. He gave me a vision of like this puppy, this puppy that had been like abused not like a cute little cuddly puppy, but like a pup, maybe say like, imagine the puppy was like on the side of the road and it just had like, mm-hmm. had been kind of wet or whatever. And just had like mm-hmm. a little blood on the back leg or whatever. The Lord had given me a vision a little while ago, maybe like a year or so ago. And he was like, that's you. And I was like, what is that? What is, mm-hmm. what does that mean? And I've never been, you know, physically abused in my life or anything like that, but I had been abused not only, you know, in the body of Christ, you know, because you're kind of outcast if you're not doing the same thing everybody else is doing, or just just people in general, just hurt relationships, just different things that have happened in life. And if you think about like an animal that's been hurt, like the first people that try to come and rescue that animal, they will attack. They will attack mm. the animal. And I shared this with the ladies. I was like, I, you know, went through issues in college, like struggling with depression and just trying to figure out where I was going to go in life and, you know, trying to get into law school. And just my parents had me at a young age or they're trying to figure out life and just all the different challenges in life. And, you know, you get kind of beat up when the things happen to you in life. So I share with them the vision that the Lord had showed with me. And I just said to them, like, people will come and they'll try to rescue you and they'll try to help you. And you don't realize they're trying to help you, but you're actually keeping your help from helping you. And so for me, that stood out because other women could relate to that. Like you build up these barriers and these boundaries and you just don't want people to come and help you. But over a period of time, as you let the Lord heal you from your past relationships, friendships, you know, family dynamics, whatever the situation is, school, college, law school, et cetera, you realize that like people are there to help you and God places the right people in your path for the right moment. You know, because women, we all have issues as women. <laughs> I'm, uh, sure you, you, I'm sure you've seen it. We're just so emotional. <laughs> we've got, uh, the, the, the men have plenty of our own issues. So I am definitely <laughs> like, I don't even need to see women. I'm like, I can look at myself and be like, we got the issues, my goodness. But um, that is so vulnerable. And like, I could even just as you're speaking, I could see the the women in that room, like nodding and just being like, oh, like kind of just letting the hair down a little bit and being like, this is what's been going on. Just slowing down long enough to be like, oh, yeah, I yeah. get it. And I get that that's kind of me, too. What a great opportunity. And and I mean, that is that's impacting lives that can change someone's story from that day forward. And sometimes you may never even know. And I just love how God has used your circumstance, the way he's had you gone for 40 years and being single to be able to have the voice 
the yeah. authority, the credibility to speak into someone's life so well and to change it. We talked kind of at the beginning, uh, I think before we started hitting record about risk mm. and yes, this is the riskers podcast. And, and <laughs> what I see what you've done from continuing to get back up over and over after the LSAT, after the bar exam, and then walking into speaking about a very vulnerable topic. This is incredible risk. Now we define risk in many ways. And one of the, the final questions I like to ask is risk is blank. What is that to you? In a word or a sentence, if you were to fill that out, risk is blank. I don't know. Maybe I would say risk is scary <laughs> or the unknown. Or for me, I would say risk is faith. Mm. Like every risk that I've ever taken, I don't like risks. Like if you tell me to jump off something, I am not going to do it. I need to calculate all of the options and all of the issues and all the consequences and all of that stuff. <laughs> and probably that's the way God has taken me for some reason. <laughs> but it's been faith for me. It's been like really just trusting the Lord that, okay, this is what you said. It's going to work out, even though I don't see it right now. At some point, it's going to work out. I don't care if I take this LSAT eight times. At some point, I'm going to somebody's law school. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess I, risk, I don't know. I love that. Risk is scary, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. It's unknown, dot, dot, dot. It's faith. I, I love that. You basically <laughs> described faith, but like starting at like the most scary, like what people feel. People yeah. feel scary. They don't think of scary as faith. They think of faith as like holding the Bible, you know, and <laughs> right. like the, the nice Christian image. But you actually started with like what faith is. It's like scary. It's, it's unknown. So scary. <laughs> You're following Christ. And I am the same way as you. I want to calculate every step. I want to figure out every outcome. I want to mm -hmm. see if, you know, weigh my options. Um, and God has definitely had to get through my thick skull many times to get me to take that risk oh and walk in faith. But Lakita, your story is really inspiring. If there's anyone out there who is, who is, I mean, in school right now, or just up against that obstacle where you're hitting it over and over and over again, like you heard it from Lakita, keep getting up. Don't stop. This mm -hmm. is a part of your story. And it's also a part of your character building. I mean, I don't think you're the encourager you are today. If you hadn't gone through that, because now you get right. to speak into that. And I just want to thank you listeners for listening to the Riskers podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And if you've enjoyed this episode with Lakita, please leave a five-star review. And finally, if God's calling you to risk, to, to heal a pain or solve a problem in this world, listen, take that step. Don't sit, don't wait, take the opportunity. When someone says, hey, we want you to come speak to our group, get in the car or get on the plane and make it happen. Our risks are meant for other people. Lakita, thank you so much. I just love your heart. I've loved seeing, being able to see you interact in your element at the Christian Legal Society. I'm just, I'm praying for you, for God to just continue to show you exactly the way you should go in. You know, you go from attorney to right. now working with <laughs> Christian Legal Society and you're impacting lives wherever you go. And I'm just excited to see the rest of the story arc that God has for you. Thank you, Caleb. I'm excited too. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening to the Riskers podcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women 
how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.kalabrakey.com.